Sari's hero, Uccello, droning on about the beauties of perspective while his wife tries to drag him bedwards. In the piazza Guido Monaco, the Aretini had come out to play. Old men, gnarled as walnuts, dealt cards while their sons drank beer and their grandsons harassed pigeons. Growling motorbikes raced round the square at intemperate speed. There is carnage every night on the roads of Italy, observed Muriel, as she will now be called, matter-of-factly. She was a mite early for our appointment, and in phrasebook Italian ordered a gin and tonic, while Penelope Jardine, Penny, parked their car. They had been together for twenty years, sharing a rambling house deep in the Val di Chiana, fifteen kilometres from Arezzo. Centuries ago, the house, which is attached to a parish church, had been inhabited by a priest who added rooms as necessity determined. Two separate families had lived in it with the priest and his mother, some twenty people in all. Now it offered books a home, roughly seven thousand of them. I buy books, said Muriel, penitentially. I often advertise for books. I spend a fortune. I do need rare books from time to time. We have endless encyclopedias. The two women seemed comfortable together, often ending each other's sentences, one deferring to the other when she couldn't put a finger on a fact or recollect a date. The notion that Muriel was some kind of recluse or eccentric, as at least one ill-informed journalist had suggested, seemed absurd. Similarly, the idea of two women living together had raised prurient eyebrows. But why should it? Penny is a sculptor who has exhibited at the Royal Academy in London. She supplied the domestic and business circumstances which allowed Muriel to flourish. Penny provides Muriel with emotional security, someone who knew them both told me. Enough emotional security to be flirting at seventy-two. I mentioned that I had tried with just a few words of Italian at my command to buy trousers in Florence. If I had told her that I'd been diagnosed with a terminal illness, she couldn't have shown more concern. Let's ask that dishy waiter who is the best sarto in Arezzo. While the man was summoned, Muriel asked if my hair was as nature intended. It was, I confessed. You don't do anything to it. Touch it up. I said I paid a man called Alfie in Edinburgh to keep it out of my eyes and off my collar. I never touch up mine either, she trumped. As the waiter was interrogated about the best tailor in town, I took the opportunity to study Muriel. She looked at least ten years younger than her age. Her hair, touched up or not, was red, as it was when she was a girl growing up in Edinburgh and before it was bleached under Rhodesian skies when she was in her early twenties. She was petite, with a gay and curious demeanour. She seemed to me someone to whom you could talk unguardedly, like a doctor or a priest, without fear of it ever being passed on. She dressed elegantly and expensively. Her dress was a riot of yellow and black. Round her neck she wore a string of white pearls and a canary-yellow silk scarf. She had a reputation for being waspish, 
once making mincemeat of a BBC interviewer who asked a fatuous question. When I told her, sincerely, how much I admired her latest book, Symposium, her dark eyes lit up and her face creased with pleasure. The life of a constitutional exile appeared to suit her. No one, though, could be deceived into thinking that the road to Arezzo had been straight and smooth. At that time, her autobiography, Curriculum Vitae, had yet to appear. When it did, in 1992, it ended with the publication in 1957 of her first novel, The Comforters, just as her career as a writer was beginning. At 39, she was a relatively late starter, but as she makes plain in the autobiography, her life up to that point was about laying foundations and accumulating experience. Since I wrote my first novel...